Active FM presents Food for Thoughts with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Ensley. So we're continuing with our series Fructify and today the sermon is entitled What do I do if my joy is gone because I have sinned? What do I do if my joy is gone because I have sinned? Share this with some people because the Bible actually has answers. You know so many people are living in the world and they have all sorts of regrets and the reason that they have the regrets is because they have no answer. What do you do when you've blown it? What do you do when you've messed it up? What do you do when you've done something that's so bad that um, you can't get over it? You know, one of, one of the things I remember, I was a young boy, and um, early, still early in primary school. And we were on my grandfather's farm. And for some reason, you know, as boys do, we grabbed a little chicken. And uh, I told my cousin... Squeeze that thing's neck. And as you squeeze, then it would open its mouth, let go, ha, ha, ha. And eventually I said, okay, now squeeze it until it dies. And then it died. Ha, 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 ha. For what? For, for what? Now, what do you have that may be a memory like that, that you think, what did I do that for? The Bible has an answer. And, and um, I just want to remind you from last week, you know, we spoke about that in order to be fruitful, you've got to learn how to take your time and split it into blocks of time. If you never heard last week's sermon, I'd encourage you to go and listen. If you haven't started doing last week's sermon, I'd encourage you to go and listen to it again and start doing it. Because what we said was, you will change your future before 10 a.m. every day. Okay, if you haven't sorted your your day out by 10 a.m., your day is lost. You will not get it back. So, you know... If today's lost, that's fine. You can sort out tomorrow. You, there's always tomorrow. But today, you're always going to be on the back foot. And if you looked at, at Jesus, in Mark 1 verse 35, it said, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And so what we said is start, and, and, and we just gave you some blocks of time. You need to move these around. You need to fit them, but you've got to do them. And what I am saying is the first thing you do in the day, you need to pray. And uh, we said pray for, you know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you don't know what to do, you just do what we said. Just create like a stencil for your life and start praying at 5 a.m. for 25 minutes. Make a coffee. Pray like crazy. Pray like God's real. Pray like God exists. And then after you've prayed, plan. Plan for 15 minutes. Proverbs 16 verse 3, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. That word commit, you plan everything around God. God's word, God's will, God's everything is central to your plans. And then after that, read the word. Hebrews 4 verse 12. Why do you read the Bible? For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner and thoughts of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. It exposes to us where we have a problem. It exposes the spiritual cancer that's inside of us that we didn't even know is there. And Psalm 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And then from 6 to 7, another block. You do some sort of exercise activity, bath, eat breakfast, you know, all of those sorts of things. And why, why, why do exercise? 
1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And I said, obviously, if you walk to work or you have to cycle to school or cycle or walk to work or something like that, then you're getting your exercise there. So then you're, you're, you're traveling to work and your exercise are happening all in one go. Oh, to, do, to get two things done in the same time, at the, you know, that, that is awesome. And then at seven, make maximum use of your travel time for 60 minutes. Jesus has called you to witness in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses telling people everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, you need time to witness. If you travel to, to, to work with public transport, that is a time where you can witness. All right? You can contact disciples. You can contact people you know that need to know Jesus. You can easily contact five people in an hour. Easy. Very easy. Or speak to five people. Or if you're in school, you go and speak to five people before school even starts. And then once you start your day, the first 120 minutes will make that day. The first two hours. If you look at Jesus, he started his day early. In John 8 verse 1 and 2, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. The crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. In other words, before your day officially starts, get to work. Get your day set up. If you're in a supervisory position, start your day with a meeting. And, and at the meeting, there's a purpose. And keep minutes and set deadlines. And, and, and the deadlines have deliverables which are tangible. And this bottle of water is tangible. So someone has a deadline. You need to produce a bottle of water like this by 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, is there a bottle of water, yes or no? It's got to be something like that, some, something that can be seen. And I'm not going to go into that in any more detail. Go and listen to last week's sermon. We went into quite a bit of detail there. But now I want you to think about what do you do if you've sinned and the joy has gone out of your life? What do you do if you've blown it? Because you know when you sin. Everything's messed, isn't it? Sin will poison every single area of your life. It will leave no inch of your life alone. It will disrupt every part of your, your being. The greatest problem you have is sin because it's the, it, it is sin that is the reason that you're going to die. The reason that one day people are going to come to your funeral and you're going to be in a coffin is because of sin. And, and by the way, it's a sin that Adam did. You see, you were born with death in your DNA because you were born with sin in your DNA. And in order to rescue us from sin, Jesus gave everything. You're only going to know why Jesus gave everything when you understand the level of your sin. When you understand how far you short, fall short of the glory of God. And now what is the sin that Jesus had to give everything for? If you look in the, the definitions, the Greek word for sin is amatia. Amatia. And you know, you've got these lexicons where they take each ancient Greek word in the New Testament and they give it a number and you're able to find that number. 
And then you're able to find the definition of that word. If you look in the Old Testament, that number relates to a Hebrew word. Because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in ancient Greek. Then the third, third definition says, Amartya, the first meaning is to be without share in. So when you're in Amartya, then you are not receiving a share of something. I, I really want you to think about that right now. You're missing out. You know you have a fear of missing out? Well, let me tell you, when you're in sin, you're missing out. The second definition is to miss the mark. God has set a mark for you. His mark is holiness. His mark is perfection. His mark is His purpose. His mark for you is everlasting life. Amartya means you miss everything that God's got for you. You miss the mark. You're not what God created you to be. You're not who God created you to be. You're not living for the purpose that God created for your life. You've missed the mark. You're like the guy who got into the Olympic Games. And you qualified for the 100 meter final. And you get to the time when the race is supposed to start and you're not there. And eventually they say, right, we're running the race because the whole world's waiting to watch the 100 meters final of the men's Olympics. And uh, so you're out by default because you missed the mark. You weren't there. The, the definition is also to err, to be mistaken. You know, when, when the foundation of your life is not the Word of God, the foundation of your life is sin. And, and when you sin, you err, which means you, you're mistaken, which means every decision that you take is a mistake before you even made it. Because the very foundation upon which you stand is a mistake. And you cannot launch off a mistake into something that is accurate, into something that is good, into something that is truthful, into something that is going to help you. Everything's a mistake. The very core of your life is a mistake. The very core of your life is an error. And the only way that that can be changed is through the Word. It's also the definition says to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor to do or go wrong. To do wrong or to go wrong. It's also the last part is to wander from the law of God, to violate God's law. Now Jesus, because your life started out in a state of sin, because your life started out where right at its core there is sin. Because your life started out and your very DNA was corrupted by sin, which is why you die. Jesus had to go through death on your behalf. And the reason why he could go through death on your behalf was because he never sinned. And how bad was it? Well, Psalm 22 verse 14 and 15 tells us how bad it was. My life is poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. Imagine if every one of your bones was dislocated. You know, if you've got one bone or one joint that's dislocated, like a shoulder or a finger or, or even your knee, you know how bad the pain is? Yeah, Jesus is saying, all my bones are out of joint. 
My heart is like wax melting within me. In other words, it's, it's like this is affecting my organs. It's affecting my very soul. Even at the level of my soul, my heart is melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. There's no life in me. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. You see, sin is so bad because it corrupts everything that Jesus had to go to this incredibly painful extent to save us. This pain is unimaginable. I cannot even begin to describe how bad the pain was that he went through. First of all, the physical pain of the crucifixion, but then the spiritual pain that he suffered because he was tormented by demons every step of the way. And then he spent three days in Hades. Three days. He spent there so that we never have to go there. And this is what you have to realize. The reason why we've always said that an encounter is so important because there's no greater expression of love than this. But if you don't understand the extent of sin and just how much it's messed things up, if you do not get that, if that doesn't make sense to you, you will never know this love. And so the first thing you need to realize when, when you've lost your joy because of your sin is that you had a problem long before this sin happened that you regret now. There were other things that you did that you thought weren't such an issue as this issue that you regret right now. But just because you thought that doesn't mean it was. In fact, sometimes the, the time you made the decision to do whatever you did that's caused this regret, that you wish you'd never done, something else caused it. There was some other sin you did which maybe you don't even know is a sin. So the first thing you have to realize is that there is hope. And everyone's in the same boat. It's not just you. So now your joy is gone because of regret. Well, the first thing you need to understand, well, what is joy? What is joy? Now, joy is the satisfaction of your spirit. Happiness is satisfaction for your soul. And pleasure is satisfaction for your body. Now, in order for you to have joy, Philippians 4 verse 4 and 5 tells us what we have to do. Where the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And so, this rejoice has got to do with joy. Rejoice is joy in action. There's an action you have to do. You have to decide to have joy. Joy, when we decide to have it, is supplemented by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and does a supernatural thing when we're coming before God and we have this joy. It's beyond our circumstances. We can be going through the worst ever circumstances. It's beyond that. And nothing can ever happen to you that can take you out of that joy. 
If you have that kind of joy, the satisfaction of your spirit, nothing can ever affect your soul. It makes you feel secure. It makes you feel powerful. It makes you feel like you can do it. It makes you feel like you can conquer the day in Jesus' name. And it gives you this, the, 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 the sustaining belief that there's more to life than the life on this earth. If you believe that all there is to life is what you have on this earth, you have no joy. Joy enables us to be gentle. Gentleness means you're gracious. It means you're forgiving of other people's mistakes. It means you're not walking around full of resentment all the time. All of your issues, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe she did that. Why? 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 Have you noticed how many times you're asking the question, why? Why are you always asking why? You know, so many times I sit down with people, many people, why, 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 why? And I'm saying, why? They mean, what do you mean, why are you asking why? What difference is it going to make to you if you have your answer, but you have no joy? Now this, this word gentleness, the Greek word is the word for moderation, and it refers to restraint on the passions that you have. Your passions are restrained. In other words, you're not just doing what you feel. The word means to be fit or suitable. It talks about gentleness and mildness. In other words, you restrain all your passions and it's evident to everyone around you. You don't just chase after what you want. You're not just saying, this is what I want. Now, I'm making this decision because I have to figure out what I want. You know, one of the things I've realized, because I, I, I used to say that I stopped saying what I want. Because I realized it's arrogant. Everyone's walking around talking about what they want. The problem is often what I want is going to clash with what others want. I mean, just let me take a marriage. How often is what I want going to clash with what my wife wants? Never mind anyone else in the world. Just in the marriage. If you're just about what you want, you will have no joy. And if you have no joy, you will not have the second thing I want to tell you about today, which is peace. Now, I want to tell you, if you're not praying, you don't have peace. The Apostle Paul, still in the book of Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, says, Don't worry about anything. Listen, if you're worrying about stuff, when you're asking why, why, why all the time, you're worried, worried, worried all the time. And you know, sometimes... Christians, we, like to, to, we don't like to say, I'm worrying about this. I'm concerned. You know, it's for your benefit. Twack, man. You're worried. I've caught myself, and, and I remember I started having to change my language. I'm very, I'm very worried about you. And then I thought, oh, that, that, what is wrong? I'm very concerned. About, and then I, oh, no way. Why am I concerned? Didn't Jesus die for them? I just got to get them to Jesus. Forget about being concerned. Forget about what they're doing. Get them to Jesus. Don't worry about anything. I'm so worried about my disciple. Why? It says, uh, that does anything exclude disciples? Oh, no, but it's spiritual to worry about. Your... Why? You have Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the power of the cross. Why are you worried about your disciple? I'm so worried about my children, and I'm concerned for my children's future. Why? Oh, no, this world's such a terrible place. You can't raise children in this world. Why? 
Do we not have Jesus? Do we not have the cross? Yes, but, but what? But what? Tell those next to you, say, but what? Instead of worrying, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Oh, I'm so concerned. I'm not going to pray. Tell God what you need. For, and thank Him for all He's done. Be thankful. Stop, stop asking why. Be thankful. Do you know being thankful is a choice, just like joy is a choice. And then if you, if you do these things, if you actually have the, the discipline to do these things, then guess what? Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. <laughs> so now you're going to have this peace which doesn't make sense. You know what's, what, what's terrible is when you have this anxious feeling and you don't know why. So why are you so worried? I don't know. Why are you so anxious? Oh, I don't know. I'm just am. It's a spiritual thing, that's why. Demons are playing havoc in, in your soul. That's what's going on, yeah? The, 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 the solution to this is a spiritual one. You're not going to figure this thing out. Because with demons comes confusion. And so now, instead, you, you start doing what Paul's saying, yeah? Stop worrying, start praying, tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He's done, even when you haven't got what you need. First of all, let me tell you what you have. If you've given your life to Jesus, you have eternal life. So let's start there by thanking Him. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not going to hell. Thank you, Lord, that I will never spend a second in the fires of hell. Thank you, Lord, that the Muslims think they're going to get saved out of the fires of hell. But, Lord, I will not even spend one millionth of a second there. That's enough reason to thank God right there. If you, if you think that's not a reason to thank God, yeah, but you don't understand, eh? Twak. You don't understand. If you knew what hell was, well, however bad your stuff is, it's nothing compared to what hell's going to be. So thank Him. And when you thank Him, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything that we can understand. And here's the other thing. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, here's your other problem. Your heart is exposed when you don't have this peace. Oh, you think you're upset with me. Or oh, you think you're upset with your husband or your wife. Oh, you think you're upset with your cell leader. Oh, you think you're upset with your boss. Oh, you think you're upset with the South African police services. Oh, you think you're upset with Julius Malema. Oh, you think you're upset with Sir Ramaphosa. Oh, you think you're upset with Mr. Stienhuisen from the DA. No, 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 no. No, you're not upset with him. Your heart is exposed. You're offended. You're confused. You are in error. The very thing that you're launching every decision off is wrong. Your foundation is wrong. Get to God because His peace will guard your heart. A life of fear and worry is a life that lacks character. A life that lacks character lacks peace. How do you get peace? You need to pray. You need to get to Jesus. You need to change what you imagine. You need to start building pictures of faith in your mind. You need to start having faith and start trusting God. Because when you have faith and you trust God, He brings the peace supernaturally. This brings peace. And we get this peace that we can't understand. You're thinking, my word, all hell's breaking loose around me, yet I've got peace. Look, you may feel like this world's going to end. You may feel like 
your prayers will never be answered. But when we pray, we see our prayers answered. When we pray with faith and we're praying in the will of God and we know the will of God and we know the word of God, we see our prayers answered. And we trust God when it makes no sense to trust Him. When we do this, then prayers get answered. <laughs> and when your prayers get answered, guess what? There's no explanation for your prayer having been answered other than God. How did that happen? It was him. If you tell me, oh, you're an atheist, lack of boot, but <laughs> you can't explain to me why this thing happened then. Yeah, it was just coincidence. Good luck, but many will believe you are, won't. You gullible, eh? You gullible atheist, eh? You believe you're a monkey. <laughs> go off, go, ooh, you know what I mean? I want to warn you of something. Worry is a sin. You're regretting X, Y, and Z. Maybe you're regretting a sexual encounter. Maybe you murdered someone. I don't know what you, what you, you, you regret. But you're worrying. <laughs> that means you don't trust God. You know the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, Cast your burdens on the Lord and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5 verse 6 and 7 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care on Him, for He cares for you. Why do you humble yourself? Because you, you need patience. Without patience, you don't have character. Why do you humble yourself? You humble yourself and come to Him because He cares for you. He knows what's best for you. But you need to trust Him. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, nor what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Why are you worrying about what you eat? Why are you worrying about your body? Why are you worrying about your shelter? All this is showing you have a problem in your heart. When you're worrying, you do what the world does. And your worry is killing you. If you go on in that passage in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, you know, you've got enough problems to sort out today. Sort those things out. Tomorrow, don't worry, your problems will still be there. But you can't sort out tomorrow's problems today. Today's problems are sufficient for today. Trust God with tomorrow. And sort out what God's told you to do today. That's what he's saying. Colossians 3, 14 and 15. But above all things, put on love. Put on love. And as you get on, you got to, you, you get up, you, you got to put on love. Which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which you were called in one body and be thankful. Love is a choice. Being thankful is a choice. When you put on love, guess what happens? The peace of God rules your heart. Now, what about this, this sin? When you have this regret and you have no joy, what is the problem? And this is the crux of the matter. You're afraid that you've lost out and it can never be restored. Now, fear is a lack of character. Fear is not just about being scared about some person coming in and robbing you in your house. Fear is not just about maybe you're going to get raped. Maybe your kid will be on drugs. Maybe you'll have no money and be chucked out of the house. 
That's, that, 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 those things, that, that's part of it. But, but, but fear also comes in. You know, I've got this regret and I'll never be restored. Romans 5 verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when you have regret, you don't have peace. When you have regret, you don't have joy. When you have regret, you do have fear. But how is our fear sorted out? Our fear is sorted out when we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace. What does grace mean? I am forgiven. I know that thing was so bad. It was so bad. It was despicable. It can never be justified. It can never be explained away. It was so bad. But I have access to this grace because of the cross. Because Jesus died for that despicable thing that I did. I have access to grace, which means I can be forgiven. Which means the slate can be wiped clean. Which means that one day I can stand before the Father in heaven. And the devil says, nya, 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 nya. look what he did, look what she did. Nya, 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 nya. And all the Father sees is the blood of Jesus. Because you're justified before him because of grace. Through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This fear, this regret is the wrong fruit. And it's caused by a lack of character and it's caused by a lack of prayer. Let me tell you, you will not live in regret if you're praying. If you're a person that's getting up like we spoke last week and every single day you're praying like we spoke and you're serious about your prayer and you are sincere and, and you are expecting God to touch you every single morning, you will not have fear. And here's the other thing. Let's talk about what you regret. And you're saying, I want to change. I have a, I have a, a bad news for you. Very bad news. You can't change yourself. That which you are, you are. And that which is done, is done. That's why you need Jesus. That's why you need a Savior. And you need to come to Him honestly. And I just want to read a, a few verses from Psalm 51, which I shared about a few weeks ago, which you need to pray. Every day you need to pray this. Psalm 51 verse 1, and I want you to think about where you stand with God right now. And, and, and this is what David, David, David's praying this prayer when he's, he's just slept with another man's wife named Bathsheba. He made her pregnant. He tried to get her husband to sleep with her. Her husband was one of his most loyal soldiers. He tried to get her husband to sleep with her so that he could cover up the fact that he slept with this man's wife. He couldn't get it right, so he got him killed. He murdered the oak and married her to cover it up. And now he's just realized what the hell he's done. Sorry, what you could have done and what you have done and what you regret, I don't think it can be worse than that. Maybe equal, but not worse. And what does David cry out? He says, have mercy upon me, O Lord. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Lord, blot them out. Wash them away with the blood of your son, Jesus. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Lord, I don't just want my sin forgiven. I don't just want my sin blotted out. I want to change. I want to be cleansed. I want to be cleansed right there in the core. I want to be clean. 
I'm crying out to God. I'm crying out to Him with everything that I have. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Yes, I'm full of regret. My sin is always there. Wherever I look, I see my sin. Everyone else that I'm judging in my life, I'm actually putting my sin on them. Please, Lord, wherever I look, I just see this thing. I can't get it away from me. It's there all the time. Against you. And you only have I sinned. And have done this evil in your sight. Lord, I'm stuffed. There's nothing I can do about this. And then in verse 10. Lord, I'm believing in the power of the, of the cross. I'm believing in the power of the blood of Jesus. I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus to wash my sins away. I believe in the power of your Holy Spirit. That when I believe in your Son and accept Him as my Lord and Savior. And I believe that you raised Him from the dead. I receive your Holy Spirit. And when I have all of these things. The authority of the cross. The power of the Holy Spirit. Then I pray this. Creating me a clean heart, O oh God. Lord, I want to be different, eh? I, I don't like this who I am. Many times, isn't that the problem? We don't like who we are. So creating me a clean heart, O oh God. And I'm relying on God every single morning for this. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, renew a spirit in me that's going to keep me steadfast. Which means that people can count on me. Because whenever they come, I'm there. I'm faithful. Lord, create in me a faithful heart. Lord, create in me the faithful heart that your son Jesus had. Lord, I want that heart. And do not cast me away from your presence. Lord, the, please... I know what I've done is bad. Please, I'm begging you, don't throw me away. Don't throw me away. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, I'm desperate for your Holy Spirit. And restore to me the joy of your salvation. Lord, I cannot have this joy without you, can I? Lord, I'm humble because I'm admitting that to you right now. I'm so desperate for you. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Lord, your spirit is so generous. It's so generous, Lord. Lord, please uphold me. Please lift me. Please put me on my feet. Lord, when I've fallen down, put me on my feet with your generous spirit. And when you restore me like this, and I'm a changed man or I'm a changed woman, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Listen, guys. You can play church all you want, eh? I'm going to be straight with you right now. But if you've had experience like this with God, if you know what God's forgiven you for, no one in heaven, on earth, below the earth in hell, no one, whether they yell with that rover in Mars, that rover, you know, perseverance, that's on Mars, doesn't matter where they are, they will not be able to stop you from telling other people about Jesus. When you know that you've been saved from this, no one will be able to tell you to shut up. Let me tell you what it will be like. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem on the Sunday before he's about to be crucified. And the people are throwing their coats down and they're waving 
the palm branches, which means he's a victorious king coming in because he's, he's about to have the biggest victory in all of history over the enemy of all enemies, Satan and death. He's about to defeat them. He's about to smack them into oblivion. And his rivals, as if you could ever be a rival of Jesus. The chief priests say, these people are making a noise. Tell them to shut up, he's Jesus. He says, I can tell them to shut up, but then the rocks are going to start praising me. You cannot stop the praises of God. And I want to challenge you right now. Do you have faith? Do you have faith? You know, every week almost we read Romans 10 verse 8 and 9 and says, And what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I don't care what your regret is. I don't care what stripped you of your joy. If you, if you will believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and confess with your mouth that He is your Lord, and you will believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and you will believe by faith that according to John chapter 1, you now have the right to be called the child of God, that according to John chapter 1, He's given you the Holy Spirit. If you will believe that, you will be saved. And today your eternity is standing before you. Whether you're sitting here in Salby or one of the sites, whether you're watching on the internet, maybe you're listening to the audio, maybe you're in transport, maybe you're at work, maybe you're in your home. Eternity stands before you beckoning, saying, listen, when you face God, you, you, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Even, even just one time where you're worried means you had no faith. It means God wasn't first. It means you weren't worshiping God. Just one time, that's enough to, to cast you into a lake of fire forever. You need Jesus. And it's so easy to receive Him, to give your life to Him, to trust Him, and to get saved. Some of you are struggling. No, I'm not ready. Maybe I'll do it later. You don't know if you have later. You don't know if you have later. You need to come to the altar of God right now. This is the moment because you may not live to have this opportunity again. You know, you could die. Or you might live for a long time, but you know the enemy has clouded your mind. You haven't heard the gospel up until now because the enemy has been fighting over time. And so there's a veil over your eyes and you can't see the gospel for what it is. And God might be saying to you, listen, if you don't make this decision now, because today's the day of your salvation, you will never have this opportunity again. In the spiritual realm, something will shut down. It will be over forever. Maybe you're sitting thinking your sin's too bad. Listen, sorry, look at what Jesus went through. We looked at that earlier in the sermon from Psalm 22. Please don't tell me that the blood of Jesus is too cheap for your sin. Your sin is Mickey Mouse in comparison to the blood of Jesus. If you will trust in the blood of Jesus, his blood of, the blood of Jesus will soak away all of your sin. He'll give you a brand new life. You have no purpose. Hey, by the blood of Jesus, God has given you authority to live for his purpose, an eternal purpose. He will change your existence. He will change your forever. And when you do this, you're saying, Lord, now is the time. 
Lord, I can't wait another moment. I want to commit to you right now. I want to surrender everything to you right now. Look, Lord, whatever I do is not as good as what you do. I can't wait until later. I can't wait until another time. Lord, I have to do it now. I have to commit to you right now. Lord, I want to choose to be close to you from now on. Lord, I want to be faithful to you from this day forward. So that when my death comes knocking, Lord, I, don't, I won't be afraid. Because I'll know you're right there with me. I'll know what King David said in Psalm 23 when he said that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Lord, I want to live like that, Lord. Lord, I want to know that, Lord. Give me a revelation of that right now, Lord. I want to know that it won't affect me because I'll be with you for eternity. I want to know that. And I want you to close your eyes right now. And right now, if you're sitting at home, if you need to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to get onto the email right now and send an email to info at theactivechurch.org. And then I want you to say there, I'm giving my life to Jesus or I'm recommitting my life to Jesus. Do that right now. And I want you right now as you're closing your eyes, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to put your right hand on your heart. If you're at work or on the transport or something like that, still just put your right hand on your heart. Let people see that you're praying. And I want you to see Jesus. See his death for you on the cross. See those verses. All his bones out of joint. He's been whipped. Every sin is punished. Every sin is punished. You can receive his gift, the gift of his life. The gift of His perfection, the gift of His righteousness, the gift of His holiness. It can all be given to you right now. And that same Jesus you see dying on the cross over 2,000 years ago is the same Jesus whose blood stands. And that Calvary sacrifice is the same sacrifice that stands once and for all. His blood was shed and He paid the price for all sin once and for all. And as we pray this prayer, if you're going to say this prayer with faith, He will wash all your sin away. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. And I renounce my life of sin. I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that, that the blood of your wounded body Wash me today of all my rebellion and all my sin. Set me free from any sickness and any pain. And I accept that my debt is paid. There is no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I accept that by your blood I'm justified. Which means you've made it as if I've never sinned right now. And I will stand before you clean. And that, Lord, by the blood of your Son, Jesus, you have set me apart for your special purpose. You have set me apart to serve you. And I'm willing to serve you. And so today, I open the door of my heart. I invite you in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Enjoy.